The fourth annual Ron McBride Love You Man Silent Auction is going on right now, and the auction includes autographed helmets, footballs from Utah, BYU, and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, plus power tools, trips, services of all kinds. Place your bid today at the RonMcBrideFoundation.org. That site, again, is the RonMcBrideFoundation.org. Time to talk basketball right now with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. You know, we've been juggling referring to you as our life insider for some of the conversations we've had over the past few months. But the games have started again, and a game started apparently without the Jazz knowledge, and they got worked Saturday. How much of that do you think is uh, just a one-off, it's one game, stuff happens? How much do you think that uh, this is reality for the Jazz? There's a gap between them and the elite teams. There's probably already a gap, but there's really a gap because of Bogdanovich being out. What do you think? I, I, I agree. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the thing about it is, in order, the Jazz, they don't have a lot of margin for error. And, uh, and, and so the one thing that when you think about the Utah Jazz is that they're going to defend, that they're going to play together, that the culture is good, and all of those things. But at the end of the day, you expect this team – this team has to shoot the three ball well. And when you go 16 for 65 and they, they can't beat the elite teams, they're going to have a hard time beating the mid-division teams if they can't shoot the three ball better. So – Yes, they're they're in a situation right now where, you know, I think I think they've got their lineups. I think we know who's going to play. It's a matter of stepping up and guys knocking shots down when they're open. This is a team I expect to shoot 38 to 40 percent from the three. There is no way that they can move forward <clears throat> in the playoffs if they're not shooting the three ball well. They just do not have another a lot of other ways to score. And so you know, Gobert's going to have nights where he's around the rim and gets 15 or 16. But really, Mitchell and Clarkson, you know, those are guys that need to knock shots down, and both of them were ice cold in both those games. So, um, no, they're, they're not an elite team. They can play against elite teams. They can beat elite teams, and, and the Pelicans certainly are not an elite team. Uh, Williamson only played 15 minutes, though they have a lot of guys that can shoot it and score it. But one thing about OKC, and I think there's been a, lot, there's been a narrative about them for a while before that things – kind of went away for three or four months, they're pretty good. And Chris Paul is obviously having one of the best seasons he's ever had. Shooter's a guard that can come in and, and, and do things. And my goodness, I mean, they're, they're blowing them out at halftime. They're shooting 65% from the field. So we don't normally think of the Jazz as a team that are going to give up that many points and a half. Uh, they've got to get back to defending, and they certainly have to get back to making some threes. Otherwise, this will be a really short stay. Yeah, I think that's obvious. I think you summed it up very well there, and it's apparent to everybody who's watching these games, and that's clearly what you've been doing, what we've been doing. When you look at three-point shooting and shots are not going in, as a coach, how do you approach that? you just say keep doing it, keep plugging away? Do you change stuff? What exactly can you do? I think a couple of things. First of all, you watch film and see how many of them are contested versus you know just wide open. And, and you had a little bit of both. I mean, the end of the in the shot clock threes being contested are certainly more difficult, though sometimes as a shooter, you just, in your mind, you don't think about anything. You just got to get it off and go. And sometimes we'll shoot better at the end of the shot clock just knowing I got to let it go, that this is what's going to happen, rather than thinking through things early on the shot clock. Should I take this or should I not take this? So that's the first thing I would look at to see, you know, how many of those were contested 
and what, what time in the shot clock were they taking? Were they desperation-type threes? The Jazz, to me, appear to be a team that they're going to play together, and, and they have good chemistry on the floor, that the good shooters, when they have an opportunity to shoot the three balls, should do that. It's not, you know, like we're going to work and look for a better shot. If they get a clean, open three, it, you know, it's, it's Mitchell, it's Clarkson, it's Ingles, it's Conley. There should be no doubt. That mindset should already be set. Hey, we're running this action. We're coming off the ball screen, and they're sinking in and helping on Gobert or, or trying to stay in front of Mitchell, and all of a sudden somebody's wide open. You have to take open threes. Now, you know, it's one of those things as a coach, after a guy misses three or four, you know, you might sit him down, talk to him, get your head right, you're fine, those are good shots, and get him back in. Uh, you know, the, mind, the mindset of guys that are struggling shooting the ball is a really delicate thing. But the, the other thing I always try to do is when good shooters are not shooting the ball well, to try to get them maybe a mid-range or a layup or get to the free-throw line, do something maybe where we can create an isolation where just making a free-throw sometimes – one or two after getting fouled, it just relaxes the body. And you get, oh, okay, that basket starts looking bigger again. So with guys that you need to have 20 a night from, obviously you, you know, Clarkson and Mitchell and, and Conley are guys, you, you know you need to have 20 a night from those guys. Somebody's got to take those Bogdanovich minutes. Uh, when they get in kind of a funk or they're, they get cold, uh, find other ways for them to score. And then once that they're able to score, the basket looks bigger and bigger. And I, I just know that when I had really good players that were struggling, I try to get into the free throw line, isolate them, do something to get them to get comfortable again seeing the ball go through the hoop. It's only a couple games into the restart here, so it might be a little too early, but uh... – and there's no home court, so playoff seating doesn't matter in a traditional way. But matchups still matter. Is there a matchup Jazz fans should be rooting to avoid? Is there a matchup Jazz fans should be rooting to get? Well, you're, you're looking at three through seven here, and um, and they could play any one of these teams. And, and, and you look at Denver, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I like the Jazz against Denver. Um, I, I mean, they got... I, I think they match up with them athletically. I think that they're they're a team that they can you know that they could beat. OKC, you know, they they got, just got drilled by them. But I, I think certainly, in my mind, OKC may be the most improved team. When you consider that they lose two All Stars and they're forty one and twenty four, and just beat a good Jazz team. Mind you, it's you know it's been two or three or four months since we've played. I mean, last night Houston uh, has a huge win. Um, and, and the Jazz haven't had a lot of great luck against them. Uh, I think if, if I'm picking a team, I, I, I want to play probably, I want to play Denver. And, I, and obviously they're, they're really good, but uh, it, it's one of those things that that's probably who I'd want to play if you want to just pick one team. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, they're not going to play. I, I, don't, I don't know. Dallas is a team that I think is young enough can score that, that is certainly a good matchup. Houston and OKC are both matchups that um, they got, they've got outstanding guard play. They've got some veteran guys. Uh, those are things I would want to avoid. So I'd say that Denver and Dallas would be the two teams I think that they match up with. Hey, Utah's capable of beating any of those teams. But if they're not going to shoot the three ball well, and they've they got to beat people defensively and win games in the high 80s and low 90s, 
uh, it probably doesn't matter who they're going to play. It's going to be it's going to be a tough go. So, and I, I expect them to turn this thing around. I expect them to start shooting the ball better. But <clears throat> we don't have a you know you only got two games to look at. So we'll, we'll see what happens here going forward. They got the Lakers, you know, in a situation where um, the Lakers are a little bit vulnerable. And uh, I, I, obviously, it's a handful for the Jazz. But uh, the, the Lakers are a little bit up and down as well. So we'll learn a little bit more about this team. But, you know, a big win tonight by the Jazz, finding a way to beat the Lakers when probably no one expects them to, could do a lot for confidence going forward. Did you have a chance, Steve, to check out what the Pac-12 players put on that Players' Tribune as far as making some <laughs> demands of the Pac-12 or boycotting the football season? So I've read about it, but I haven't read anything specifically. So there is a document out now that shows what they're demanding. Yeah, why don't you summarize it for them, DJ? Uh, they're looking for uh, better health care and guarantees there. They're looking uh, to reduce the salaries of coaches and administrators. They're looking for a revenue sharing up to 50%. Um, I mean, that's the gist of it. I think I'm forgetting one item. There's a fourth point. So what is the primary source? I thought this was about, is it about players and attorneys, or is this about who's making these demands? Well, it started apparently with one, unident- as far as I know, unidentified athlete at Cal. It spread from Cal to Stanford, UCLA, and Oregon. Now there's a, apparently 400 athletes who've signed on. Now when push comes to shove, will 400 stand their ground or fold? You know, that remains to be seen. They wrote an article in the Players' Tribune. The Pac-12 has not heard directly from them. They expect to today. So th- there's a lot more questions than answers out there right now. Yeah, I mean... Oh, oh I know the like other I'll... thing. They want to spend uh, 2% of the money of the budget on uh, uh, fight, uh, fighting racism. That was the other thing, 2%. Okay. Well, and I'm, 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 I'm really good with that. But I think some of the other things that I didn't know that players could have input in terms of salaries and those kinds of circumstances, whether it be from administrators or coaches, that's, that's an interesting dynamic there. Um, you know what? I, I think, I, I listen, I love the fact that people are passionate about things and they feel like things that are broke needs to be fixed. <clears throat> I'm not an expert on the PAC 12 and what the circumstances of that conference are, but I'll be honest with you. They, they better hope they have a season. So right now, you know, what, what, what's being done legislatively, what's being done behind the scenes, uh, I don't know if this is the time to attack administrators and attack, uh, uh, you know, executives in the conference office when they're trying. I mean, obviously, it's really important to these universities to, to, have, a, to have basketball season this year and to move forward. Here in California, you, you, there's no guarantees. Right now in California – the first, I know, community college football games start in February. And right now there's a high school basketball season that is going to start in March. And, you know, that's if things progress and get better. And then right now the Division II, <clears throat> there's no sports in Division Two for at least uh, till January 1. And I don't think we resolve the football situation with, with the Pac-12 or anybody, anybody. So right now they've got a lot of other issues in my mind. I, I, I don't have an issue with people wanting to make change and when there's, something's broke or something's not right. But the timing of this, uh, when everybody's got their hands tied behind their back, especially in California, 
And it's a different state. And no, nobody's happening. I mean, New York kind of did the right things and got people doing right. But right now, California, I don't think Governor Newsom, I mean, we're, we're still working on can't have more than 10 people together, social distancing. And, uh, you know, people got smart about restaurants. You know, they just take the parking lot and put a couple of tents up and tables and chairs. But it, it's, it's a very, very, very tough time here in California for businessmen and people and generally just the, the 40 million people that live here. It's a really difficult thing. And uh, it's, it's almost like it feels like it's piling on when we're in the middle of a COVID and everything's upside down. And I don't know that everybody has the correct perspective on this and the timing of it just, I don't know. I mean, I understand the timing of, of, of racism and that, those kind of things, and they should be addressed immediately. But these things seem to be a lot more about monetary. And I'm not talking about 2% going to fighting racism. Hey, I would up that number. We, we, we need to do more there. But uh, getting involved in, in the salaries or the, whatever the circumstances are, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me right now. Let, there's got to be another day and another time for that. Let's, let's figure out how we can keep our student athletes and our coaches safe and be able to play and watch the sports that we love to watch. We hear a lot about how the players, the college players, should be getting more. They're not getting enough. In your view, what actually is a scholarship worth? Well, I mean, there's a monetary value, and so it's, it's the tuition of school. It's uh, it, Let me tell you, I, I wish I was coaching right now. They eat, they're eating a lot more food than they used to when I was coaching. You know, they, they provide a diet for them. They provide health care for them in the sense that uh, – they're uh, looking at their, their entire self. You know, it's, it's, the nutrition piece is a really important part. Obviously, all the strength and conditioning. So all the resources to help people develop uh, is, is all part of that scholarship. Obviously, housing, travel, you know. And I, listen, I remember coaching, and when I first went to BYU, and that our stipend, our daily stipend, and I'll just I'll, I'll throw out a number. Let's say the number was $20.00 per kid per day. I, I don't know, remember what it was, but I remember that the University of Utah was double that, whatever the number was. And my kids, were, the players would come to me, hey, what's up with this? You know, they, they get this, they get this from me, because they all knew each other. You know, these are, these are guys that went to school against each other. They're always talking. Oh, yeah, 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 we get like $50 a day per diem. You only get 22? <laughs> you know, whatever the numbers were, but there were big differences. And, and, and there were shoe contract situations that were different. And guys got more shoes than our guys got. I mean, those were things that players came to me about. And, and really, it not something that I was real knowledgeable about. I was trying, we were trying to figure out how to win games and get the best players in there that we could. But once things get rolling, you know, they start noticing that they've got a certain Nike outfit on that we don't have and, or they're wearing Adidas or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's not, it's not new for players to be concerned about what they're getting. And, and certainly the, the stipend is different, and I think it'll continue to grow because, yeah, uh, I, I do believe that the compensation should be, it should be increased. But not, not to the point where uh, I think those are the things we sit down, we have conversations about threatening to not play. Is that we've already got to that point? That's, that's what's surprising to me, okay? Because we're in an atmosphere and an environment where we're making demands all of a sudden, we're going to do that at every level. I, I think like, oh, let's slow down, take a step back. I think there should be conversations about all those things, but all of a sudden, they're going to demand that 
okay, we're not going to do this or we're not going to play, uh, it, it never ends up being good for either side. And so hopefully cooler heads will prevail, that we'll, we'll get some mediation, we'll try to get to the bottom of it and find out what it is. Right now, you know, everybody's on a, in a really on an emotional uh, fervor about a lot of things and most and many of them very justified. But to let it play out right now when they're just trying to see if we're even going to have games, it seems to be that this would be something that you would want to deal with, you know, kind of after the season and work through it seriously, conscientiously. I think the players feel like, hey, they're not going to meet our demands. We're not going to play. Well, okay, who, who wins there and who loses there? When you really start thinking about what you're giving up, the student-athletes, I think, can move forward and make their demands and do their things, but they need to do it intelligently and in a, in a, with the perspective that we, we need a commitment from the administration, we need a commitment from the governor, we need a commitment from the state of California that things are going to change and be better. And, and somehow they've got to find a happy medium there and find a balance because right now it's, it's just kind of he said, she said, you don't do this, we're going to do that. It's already volatile enough in our country. Is there not enough wrong right now in our country already where we're just going to throw this on top of it as well? And I'm not, and I'm not talking about the racism. I, mean, I know there are issues with race on college campuses. And, and if that's part of Black Lives Matter or whatever else, fine. That, that's fine. Deal with that. But all the other, uh, I, I think the timing is just – this just doesn't seem real appropriate to me. Steve Cleveland, join us here. Last thing before I let you go, uh, there's stories, there seems to be momentum building. We spoke with Dennis Dodd, who writes for CBSSports.com. The Power Fives have really had it with the NCAA. What does a split look like? How much does that change college sports? What do you think when you hear that? Well, um, I've always been... I've always kind of felt that there we're moving forward to uh, there's some things that are a little bit archaic about the NC2A, and they've had such control. And I, and I I don't know that I'm going to tell you today that I think that we should disband the NC2A, create our own organizations with Illinois conferences, and have have a different look at mediation and the the, the breaking of rules and all of those things. But there have to be some changes. And I think that the, these P5 conferences are the ones that are generating all the income, uh, whether it's the NC2A tournament or it's national, you know, it's football, whatever it might be, those, those two are paying all the bills. And so I, I'm not, I would not be opposed to, to having an open ear and listening and finding out that perspective. And I, uh, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to tell you what, what the P5, I mean, I understand the gist of what they want. And basically it's like, hey, we can do our own thing. We can create our own organization. Uh, again, let's sit down and, and have these conversations. But I could see a day, some, I, could, I could actually see a day in the future where the NC2A, as it looks today, doesn't look at all like that. And, uh, and, and as we go forward, it becomes more and more difficult. You see every day schools dropping sports, not just because of the COVID. Every year, schools cannot financially take care of themselves. And a lot of different and good leagues where they have to drop sports and mandates from the NC2A that you have to have this many sports and this many sports. And certainly we want equality between men and women. But uh, right now there's a lot of challenges in the NC2A as well. So. I'm, I'm really actually inter- very interested to see what goes forward with these P5 conferences. I mean, those 
the, the beauty of college sports at the division two NAIA, you know, division three, they serve a lot of people and do a lot of good for, for people, young people around, around this country. Uh, but all of that takes a lot of money. And I, I can just tell you from my perspective in California, there's a number of division two NIA, you know, I, I read all the time, dropping sports, dropping sports, because there's the revenue, the revenue is not there. there, there it's a challenging time. And even for the mid-majors uh, in terms of football, I mean, I look at Fresno State here, and they've had really they had some really good teams. They didn't have a real good year this, uh, a year ago, but they've had some good teams. They've got a stadium with about 30-some thousand people, and they struggled to get 20,000 in that. And times are different. The community is different. But, you know, you, you, there's a, the questions are asked all the time here in this community when they are a really proud football program here. I mean, had Pat Hill did some great things when he was here. And right now they're struggling to fill half the stadium. So when they're filling half the stadium and not selling corporate sponsorships, that doesn't, that doesn't impact football that much. What it impacts is the other 10 sports that it supports. Same thing with basketball right now at the university here. That, that all of a sudden – there's a different fan base, and people can't afford it. They're not taking the time and the commitment. It's more of a commuter school. Well, Fresno State isn't just – I mean, it's not isolated here. There are lots of universities like Fresno State where we see people can't afford to even go to games anymore. And, and so what we're going to do to create that, and it's hard to fundraise and do development these days at any school, especially in these times. So – those are all challenges and problems that uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a different set of eyes and a different set of brains that look at this from a different perspective. And I just think 10 years from now, college athletics could, be, could have a really, really different look than it does today. And there are, there are some obvious changes that have to take place. And hopefully people look at it from the perspective of what's best for our country, what's best for these young people, and what's the best way we can do this. Maybe we need to get to more, you know, it's happening all the time, where all of a sudden you don't have a, a soccer program that's intramural, but they still compete with colleges, but we can't fund it. You know, I'm not picking on soccer because we all played soccer sometime in our life, right? But whatever the sport is, uh, I, I just see that landscape changing really dramatically here. I just, I fear that we're going to do knee-jerk reaction and do things that would long-term hurt college sports. So I hope that, Everybody will just take a deep breath in all these areas and uh, calmer minds and brains will take over and they can resolve some of these issues. They don't get resolved overnight. And, but, but certainly, let's get smart people in the room that don't have agendas and uh, to try to solve some of these problems. Steve, thanks for the time. We appreciate it as always. All right, guys. Have a good week. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, talking a little jazz and talking a little future of college sports right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Jazz are blown out by the Thunder Saturday. They're going to try again tonight against the Lakers. Tip time, 7 o'clock. You can watch the game on AT&T Sportsnet or ESPN. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network. Our pregame show starts at 6 o'clock. Celtics blew a 24-point lead and then pulled the game out at the end and beat the Blazers 128-124. to Rockets were down 8 with 3 minutes to go, and they rallied and won and beat the Milwaukee Bucks 120-116. to Dallas Mavericks surprised by the Phoenix Suns 117-115. Spurs 22 straight years in the playoffs trying to keep that streak alive. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies 108-106. to That's your Back to Basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. It's been a long four months. Welcome. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I respect all the players on our team. We all have to make decisions and talk to those guys, and they explain their situation, and they had to make the decision that was best for them, and I totally respect and support it 100%. That's Bill Belichick, Patriots head coach, talking about the eight Patriots who have opted out of the upcoming NFL season. It's time for the 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines, brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. You're late to the show. Some of the stuff you've missed, there's been a little football, there's been some basketball. As far as the Jazz this weekend, PK, number one, I didn't think they were at the championship tier. I thought the championship tier was three teams, Bucks, Lakers, Clippers. Now, maybe we'll rethink that. The Lakers are missing some guys. The Rockets look refreshed after the break. But whatever, I just don't think the Jazz were on that tier, even with Bogdanovich. Now, without Bogdanovich, without his shooting, his three-point shooting, that's another hit. Having said that, they should still be better than they were against the Thunder. Now, how much better, we can all debate how far they can go in the playoffs, if they can go anywhere. we got a lot of Jazz fans on social media who are very depressed, not at all happy. You know, try not to overreact too much to the last game. Having said that, it was an awful game. They, they got thrashed in the first quarter and never bounced back. Did you lose him, Yak? Usually he wants to jump in. I'm here. Yep. And you're gone. <laughs> I'm good. I've been here are. the whole time, man. All right, I... good. Cool. Do you have anything you'd like to add to the debacle that was Saturday or just look ahead to the Lakers tonight? Well, obviously you need to look ahead because what's done is done. And is it a pattern? Is there an issue here that was deeper than we thought without Bogdanovich? Because we said that when you went into this situation, we weren't really sure how everything was going to turn out, right? We've had numerous people, national, local, saying, well, there's going to be some surprises there, right? And you talk about the Rockets. Rockets look great. Rockets look like they're playing as well as anybody in the league right now. Maybe that's a little bit of a surprise. Jazz? I mean, they sucked against the Thunder, obviously, on Saturday. Now, is that a pattern? Is it a one-off? Or is it somewhere in between? Well, that's the great thing about these games is that you find out because you watch the games and it'll show for themselves. I expect a much better effort against the Lakers. I don't know if they're going to win. I can live with a loss as long as it's not to the level that it was against Oklahoma City where basically by the second quarter the game was over. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. It ought to be better. Uh, They're better than they showed against Oklahoma City. Now, that doesn't mean they can replace Bogdanovich. And you were saying you talked to somebody who had, uh, you know, major questions. Yeah. There's major issues. Is that because of Bogdanovich or just because of the club versus how the club and how good they are versus the league and how good they are? I think the number one issue is that they don't have players that are adequately filling the minutes that Bogdanovich would take because, you know, we spoke to Locke the other day and he was talking about how so far guys are playing the minutes that they've been playing. So the top six guys are playing their minutes, right? So that means you're trying to replace Bogdanovich's minutes from other guys, not the top guys, because they're already playing the same minutes that they have been playing, right? So we understand that. So now over here you're looking for other guys to fill in bogey's minutes and so far those other guys have not been anywhere near up to the task that they need to be those guys everyone needs to improve when you get smoked like they did against oklahoma city you're not going to just look at uh one or two guys because it's a team game so we understand that so the starters need to play better but even in the win against the pelicans the guys that have been assigned to receive more minutes against uh for uh, to offset both the loss of both Bogdanovich's minutes haven't come through to the level that they've been expecting. So there might be a lack of talent issue there that those guys, and I'm looking at somebody like a Niang and a Moutier, right? Niang, basically 10 to 12 minutes. Well, maybe he's just not good enough to play up to 20 minutes a game. And maybe he was playing uh, where Quinn Snyder could spot him in certain matchups. Yep. Well, now you just you literally need his body out there because you don't have the bodies. So putting him in there is a detriment. Moutier, Moutier tends to be all over the map, man. You're not really sure what you're ever going to get. He's like that box of chocolates with that guy. And, you know, there's a reason why he's bounced around a number of times in the league already at a relatively young age. So maybe you're just asking too much there. Steve Cleveland brought up the three-point shooting, 16 for 65. Now, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in a game, and they're all important, but shooting's really important. Because if you do everything right and you miss a shot, you don't get any points. If you do a bunch of stuff wrong and someone still flings in a shot to beat the shot clock buzzer against pressure, you get the points and it just doesn't appear that you made a bunch of mistakes over the course of the previous 23 seconds because you hit some desperation three with one on the clock. So shooting can cover up a bunch of issues. They ought to be able to shoot it better than 16 of 65. And Bogdanovich was a big part of their shooting. But they were one of the better shooting teams in the league. And this is this has been awful. So I assume that that's going to be better. Quinn Snyder talked after the game about, you know, a bunch of details and, you know, stuff just got screwed up. You always like to go to, and, and Steve Cleveland did too, uh, and of course a lot of your opinions come from, you know, interviewing coaches and talking to them, you know, without taking notes as well. Uh, you know, if you make some shots, maybe you do some of the other stuff better. You know, you're, you're more energetic, you're more dialed in and all that stuff. But they got the Lakers tonight, and they got the Grizzlies Wednesday. And if they, uh, you know, there's there's not that much of a run up. I think the one thing Quinn can do, is, and probably will, is when you get to the playoffs, the guys who are going to play 33 minutes are going to start playing 36 and 38 minutes. So there'll be even less time for these other guys. Yeah, and maybe that'll be the case, and maybe they'll be a better playoff team than they are this uh, restart regular yeah. season.
All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Gail Miller with us here on The Big Show. Gail, I remember a conversation I had with you once, and I asked you about winning a championship, and that's your intention, is it not? With 30 teams in the NBA, there can only be one champion, but I think every 30 years you ought to have one. (laughs) It's our turn, and I think we've built up to it. We understand what it takes. We've put everything in place for it. We've given them all the tools they need, brought in the players that I think can do it. There's no reason why we can't have that expectation. Now, I don't know the It'll come this year, but I do believe we'll get there. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is time for your feedback right now, and it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or online at AudiSaltLakeCity.com. PK, you got a massive compliment during today's show. Really? Yeah, you did. Wow. I know. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Uh, That was so well said by PK. Doing all he can to understand where these people are coming from. Like with protests and kneeling from players, people are just dismissing it and not caring to try to understand. So I don't know specifically what you said because I don't know what they heard and then they type it in and then I see it later. So I can't go exactly. But it was, whatever it was, you were understanding. I think it was about Pac-12 athletes today. I think that's uh, generally when that came in. We were talking Pac-12 sports. Yeah, I was relating it also to what the NBA guys are doing and uh, what I was speaking from last week. That was my experience of trying to understand. And then also, I think Joe Ingles had the same. The thing that was really cool is I really felt like I could relate to what Joe Ingles was saying because what Joe Ingles was saying was what I was saying earlier in the week. You follow me? I do. It's basically you know people one-on-one, and then when they tell you a story about something that happened and it bugs them, you know why it bugs them because you know them so well. Exactly, yes, and because I have a, a deep personal relationship with person XYZ, and I know them, and I've been, have many experiences with them, and that helps me to understand where they're coming from, even if I have never been in that situation, and I certainly know what they're telling me is their version of the truth. Now, on the flip side of it, too, uh, I want to say, I think these NBA players now, they've put themselves out there. Well, now you got to go deeper. You know, I see a lot of education reform. What's wrong with education? What needs to be better? Don't just put, don't have a nice little catchy slogan. And Donovan Mitchell, say her name. Donovan, what do you know that's different from what the district attorney in Louisville knows about this young lady who was murdered? Why do you think these charges should be brought? Now, I'm not pointing fingers here. I want to know. You just can't have a saying. You, you, and I assume Donovan has done his research on it. And, and why do you think differently than the district attorney in Louisville 
Because I don't, I don't know if charges should be brought. I have no idea. I haven't researched it. But what I want to know is why do you think differently? Let's expound upon it. Let's get some discussion going. Not with the, the thing, oh, this is just the first of many things. I'm great. Okay, we know you're going to do it. But then give us some meat on each of these issues. Education reform. Uh, whatever it might be, equality. You know, what, what do you mean by it? What needs to happen in our federal, state, and local governments that could bring about these changes that you would like? And then I can understand. I would love for Donovan Mitchell to sit down and explain why he thinks even deeper, not just, oh, just because. Yeah, okay, fine, say her name. But let's go deeper than that so I can understand it. And have a give and take as far as question and answer. Not from an accusatory standpoint or looking that I've got an agenda. My agenda is to understand where you're coming from. You know, to go deeper on that particular issue, um, and I know he wants charges brought, but, you know, the systemic and systemic racism, you know, and the, the system, to me, that was flawed there was the no-knock uh the war where basically they can break into your apartment right and so this comes down to you know police issues and brutality it's not so much about this is a good cop this is a bad cop what percentage of the cops are good or bad or you know it's the system why is it legal for the state to burst into somebody's private property at night and surprise them Okay, that's all part of the discussion. And so, then. yeah, and that's the part of the discussion I like to have. So, if you want change, to me, the change is you got to change the system. Either there aren't no knock warrants, or the bar to get one needs to be much higher. And then, obviously, we all ought to be able to agree on you got to have the right address before you burst in somebody's house serving a no knock warrant. I mean, that seems to be clear. Yes. Except that it wasn't that night. You know, because somebody has the right to be armed in their house. Well, how do you think someone in their home is going to react if they're armed? And then at that point, you know, there's no going back and you're going to have a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. uh, One year, uh, a little lighter in the theory of sports here. Dan, uh, guys, the Jazz were not title contenders, even with Bogdanovich. They regressed this year on defense. The guard lineup's too small. There's no depth on the bench and no true number one player. If they stick with the same roster next year, they'll be a five to eight seed in the West. Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, especially because, as we talked about earlier in the show, Portland should be healthier and better, and Golden State's obviously going to be healthier and be much better. So when you think the West was already really good, one through seven, and then you throw those two into the mix somewhere, you know, will Golden State come back at one or at three or at five? Well, you know, we can all debate that. But uh, And that's before we even look at whatever free agent moves, trades. Although, you know, somebody could be gutted by injury next year, so that it could be, you know, swapping somebody out with Portland, too. I happen to think the Jazz will be better next year also. I'm not just assuming they're going to be worse. That doesn't make any sense to me. All things for us to discuss tomorrow after we watch the Jazz and the Lakers tonight. Scotty and Hans are coming up next. See ya. I guess that's it. We'll see y'all tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. We'll say we'll talk tomorrow. We're good. We're going to talk tomorrow.